Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. What's up, guys? We have an awesome specialty podcast today for general surgery. I'd like to be the first to introduce our two fourth years, Stephen and Allison, to the show. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. For those of you new to Medicus, the interview with our fourth year students consists of three parts. The first part will be about the field. The second part will be matching into the field. And the third part will be the general advice section. But before we get to that, let's first get to know a little bit more about our guests, Stephen and Allison. Um, just, you know, tell us like who you are. Um, take us through your journey in medicine thus far. So I'm Stephen. Um, uh, let's see. I was born and raised in St. Louis. Um, I came to Chicago uh, for undergrad. I went to Loyola Chicago. I did a master's after that. Took a year off to travel, and then. Um, I went to Loyola Chicago for medical school. I'm now a fourth year going into general surgery. Um, my path into surgery, let's see, I, I kind of always knew I wanted to do surgery. Um, I tore my ACL when I was a young kid and my surgeon was something like a hero to me. So um, that was kind of on the forefront of my mind as I went through college and um, my master's program. And then um, I initially wanted to go into ortho, and then I decided that I liked more of the broad applicability of general surgery, um, you know, kind of doing everything instead of just focusing on on ortho. So that's that's now I'm here. That's your story. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, so my name's Allison. I'm also a fourth year going into general surgery. I think you'll hear this from most general surgery applicants that they kind of always thought they wanted to be a surgeon. Um, I don't know where it comes from, but half the people I talk to, that's their story. But anyways, I kind of always wanted to be a doctor Um, for a hot second. I thought I was going to go do a PhD and be wild and crazy and different. (laughs) So I did work in a lab for a couple of years at my undergrad, and I'm glad I did because I learned that's not the life for me. Um, Actually, I think it happened when I met a seventh-year postdoc uh, that I realized – that world is really difficult with no short jobs. So I kind of turned back to medicine. Um, but anyways, I, what am I supposed to be answering? Why general surgery? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Your, your path. <laughs> My path. Well, honestly, so I kind of always thought I was going to do surgery. It's good to keep your mind open throughout. And I, you know, talk, I always knew I wanted to train generally. I think I knew it would either be medicine or surgery. Nothing, none of this like very specific fields. Mm-hmm. But uh, my first rotation of third year was in the burn ICU here. And it was the best month of my life. I think it was just a really fun place to be a student. And I really liked being able to like have a project that day and go accomplish something for my patients. And then you also got to, you know, use your medical side of your brain in the ICU and work with sick patients every day. And I absolutely loved it. Mm. So I kind of sealed the deal for me. And then I've done a couple of rotations since then. I was on an ACS rotation and I did uh, cardiovascular surgery for one of my electives, which I would highly recommend to anybody. You get to see a lot of open heart surgeries and do transplants, which is kind of amazing. So Mm. how are the hours with that? Is it like for transplant? Yeah, you have to love the hospital to be a transplant surgeon because all of the hearts come in at midnight and you right. put them into your recipient until 6 a.m. Mm. So those hours are horrible, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you learn a lot. Like that's 
The first time I saw a heart transplant, I cried on the way home. I thought it was amazing. So is transplant like in the future then for you or? No, oh, okay. I can't work those hours. <laughs> it's a, it's, I think it's an amazing thing to see and a really cool way to learn. Yeah. That being said, those hours are honestly crazy. And those, I, the people that do that are amazing. Oh, wow. They operate yeah. till 6 a.m. and then they just keep going the next day. The fellows are like, they, <laughs> they get like no sleep. Yeah. Gosh. But that being said, you take, you know, like we go on procurement and you take a 20-year-old's heart and you bring it back to Loyola and you put it in this old guy who's dying and now he has a 20-year-old strong heart beating in his chest and it's amazing. Yeah, really cool, guys. So now we're kind of like going to transition to talk a little bit more about the field. Um, And so take us through your decision to go into general surgery. I know we kind of touched on that a little bit, um, but, but what specifically kind of drew you to pursue general surgery as you kind of went through maybe medical school or um, any experience that you had like rotating? Um. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I think my, my surgery rotation third year really kind of, you know, that was the nail in the coffin mm-hmm. for me. Um, I don't know if that's right phrase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a dark way yeah. to describe your interest. <laughs> but hey man, uh, whatever works. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, the, uh, so I did surgical oncology and mm-hmm. um, endocrine surgery. Yeah. Surgical, surgical oncology was amazing. Um, we had a lot of really, really sick patients, um, but it was really rewarding work. Um, I had... I think the patients on surgery, on my surgery rotations, were really what kind of did it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very sick mm-hmm. often, um, and it's like a specific problem that you can solve, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that I really like about general surgery is that you can, like, solve problems, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, um, this patient has a cancer, and you take him into surgery Mm -hmm. and you solve that problem and hopefully you know they're well again so Mm -hmm. they have general generally immediate results and Mm -hmm. hopefully good results but right um, right great nice it's funny too um so so steven was my third year mentor um when uh when i was a m1 and uh I don't know. So did you ever get to do like an incision when you were like an m2 or m1 at all or is that mostly third year um like like that's mostly fourth year fourth year um i did a couple incisions third year but okay that's i i I mean generally you don't get to do that much because Mm -hmm. the residents need to get experience right right um how many times have you been told knife to steven oh twice in my life that's a lot good job (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel, I don't know, I have this like vivid memory and I was, I actually, I don't think I was shadowing you, I was shadowing like anesthesia, but um, I, I was, so I was on the other side of the curtain, right? But you uh-huh. were in the same room and I think, I don't know if it was endocrine or if it was onc, but I remember, I, I thought that was like your first time that like you got to like do the first incision and I was like so happy because I just like saw, because I knew Steven <laughs> was like going to go into or he was thinking about general surgery. That was on surgical oncology. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. Dr. Abood. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. shaking like crazy. Yeah. Oh I like gosh. hadn't eaten that morning <laughs> and had a bunch of coffee and I was nervous. So like my hand was just like all over the place. <laughs> oh, but it was like so cool. I was like, oh, like there he goes. Like that's, a, that's what he's going to do. It was, <laughs> it's it was a really cool experience. That, yeah, that was, that was awesome. So, 
sorry anyway um so allison like what was was there something like in your surgery rotation or, or something like that that really kind of like sealed the deal for you like going into uh, general surgery at all well i think my pro like my decision making roadmap to general surgery the first decision i had to make was do i want primarily outpatient or primarily inpatient experiences and i did love my outpatient experiences but you have to be professional all day long and i cannot do that <laughs> Because every day you have to, you know, you have to be, have a smile on your face for every patient's room that you walk into, which is every 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I definitely prefer the inpatient experience where you have time to kind of hang out with your colleagues and the nursing staff and your co-residents. And mm -hmm. I liked that atmosphere better. And you have more time to just hang out with your patients in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then from there, my other big fork was medicine or surgery. And right. I just needed to have a project for the day. Like I needed to have something that I knew I was going to be able to go do to help someone that day. Um, and that just kind of sealed it for surgery. That being said, if there's a specific moment, I think it, I can't think of a specific moment. I think it's just an, like a gut feeling that I loved the people I was working with. And I loved mm -hmm. the reactions on the patient's face or the faces on my patients the next day mm -hmm. when their gallbladder's gone and they don't have that pain mm -hmm. or... Yeah, and you have to know if you like the OR or not. Yeah. Like, when you go into the OR and you're there for, you know, eight hours of doing a surgery, standing the entire time, you yeah. have to know, like, if you mm -hmm. like that or if you don't. Yeah. And if you can't stand being in the OR, then surgery is not for you. Mm -hmm. But if you absolutely love it, then, like Allison said, it's kind of a gut feeling. Like, you just know that this is what you want to go into. Yeah, so... And just a really quick follow-up on that. I know, like, as a medical student, um, it's kind of hard to really, like, you know, you're not always scrubbed in all the time, right? Like, you're kind of on the outskirts often, and you're not really, like, doing too much, as, uh, depending on, I guess, what rotation and what attending and residence you have, right? The first two years, you generally don't scrub in. But third year, you're... You, you can. You're okay. most... Most of the time, you're scrubbed in. Okay, yeah. But you're right. There's a lot of operations where you're scrubbed in, but... You Honestly, you're just standing there for a lot of the operation, yeah. waiting mm -hmm. to close that porthole at the end. Right. That's your big reward. Mm -hmm. Or just like retracting for hours <laughs> and like mm -hmm. your arms just go numb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So even like within that though, like there's still some like you still know that that this is what I want to do, even though you kind of sometimes it seems like kind of like dr you're drudging on and it's it's a little bit monot monotonous and well, I mean it's a path like yeah. anything else. I mean. Mm -hmm. You can see where you're going to go. You can see the residents going through their training. You can see the um, the attendings with all of their knowledge and all of their skills. I mean, watching, I, I um, also watched it. Um, I, it was actually a lung transplant, but watching um, the surgeon put in the lung was just like enthralling. Just mm -hmm. watching him work was absolutely incredible to watch. Mm -hmm. This is Dr. Schwartz. He's the man. Yeah, he is the man. Um, and... Like, you know that that's kind of, like, the goal that's, like, you that's, see, like, you that's like the top you, of the mountain, yeah, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, like, you have this journey that's mm -hmm. going to lead you to that point. Right. When hopefully you're engaged in the surgery and finding it interesting, even if you're not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so, uh, Allison, you were kind of almost touching on it a little bit, but are, are there any things that um, you guys, like, dislike about the field just in general or specifically um, about general surgery? Well, I think the hardest thing for everyone is the hours and the physicality. It's it's physically difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, bef I mean, there were days I did an away rotation last month, and there were days where I was standing for twelve hours in the OR, and it's 
uh, I guess I would recommend, highly recommend compression socks compression for anyone. Compression socks are a savior. <laughs> kind of saved my life. Like no joke. And straight, like honest to goodness, if you go to the gym and like have some core exercises in your back pocket, it helps because your back hurts. Like Find some comfortable shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole thing. And the hours, they're tough. Like I remember one day I was in the locker room changing into my scrubs and I heard one of the anesthesia residents say if I were a general surgery resident I would kill myself (laughs) (laughs) it's it's honestly like every time I tell someone that I'm going into general surgery they're like oh bless you yeah it's hard (laughs) but I think for me the hours are the hardest will probably be the hardest thing Mm -hmm. I like to sleep but I know I'm not going to get a lot of it Mm -hmm. in my especially intern year yeah um it's just it's it's a it's a long path. I mean, it's five years, um, mm-hmm. and you put in a lot of hours. Definitely. And you'll hear it be said, like, you know, I, yeah, it's a long day, but I'd rather be doing that all day than something else. Yeah. Like, that day goes quickly, and I'm happy all day long. Mm-hmm. So, worth it. Yeah. If you don't feel that way, you shouldn't be doing it for any specialty, any anything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Those, those are good. Those are good pearls of knowledge, right there. <laughs> um, are there any uh, stereotypes um, or assumptions about your specialty? And you almost kind of like talked about, okay, the long hours, the, um, the standing, and all that. But is there any any like stereotypes of uh, general surgery surgeons? Um, and is there any truth to any of them? The bro stereotype for sure. That's more ortho. I guess that's ortho. Or just the, everyone is afraid of their surgery rotation and getting yelled at by their pig-headed attendings. Yeah. Like hyper type A and they control the room. Mm -hmm. That being said, I haven't experienced that at Loyola. I've loved my, every attending I worked with has been very like pro student and happy to be there and happy to teach. Yeah. But there, I I think there's some truth to it. I mean, there's there's like the old way and there's the new way yeah like some attendings are like super old school where like they got yelled at and like beat down as residents mm-hmm. so then this like, that's like the way that they like know how to teach you know mm-hmm. so like then they go and like kind of propagate that mm-hmm. um that way of teaching and Mm -hmm. there's like a new school of like people who are like oh let's be more nurturing and like respectful (laughs) and there's definitely like i think a stereotype of certain uh, certain surgeons just being like super aggressive and like mean and you know I don't know. You have to know who you're working with, I guess. Mm-hmm. But surgery demands perfectionism. I always yeah. like to think in my old job when I worked in a lab, if I made a mistake, I would throw it in the trash can. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you're going to make mistakes in the operating room. And it's, you know, generally something you can fix without anything and any significant consequence coming from it. But it's, it, you know, as fun as the OR can be, you always have to be a perfectionist and you have to do things right the first time. And mm-hmm. I understand how it can be frustrating yeah. to have to teach people to be perfect and they're going to make mistakes and it you know that's ultimately the attending's patient and his responsibility or her responsibility isn't that sad that I still use his always <laughs> but um I don't know yeah I get it that being said I think it's getting better and the younger attendings are I think I, I guess the I shouldn't even just say younger but in general I think it's a lot better than it used to yeah be. I think the culture is changing Mm-hmm. Um, when I was on the interview trail, one of my um, interviewers 
um, said something that I, <laughs> I thought was kind of interesting. She was like, this is my trade. This is like what I love to do. Like I love to operate. So if you like aren't going to do it right, if you don't want to be there, if you're not going to show up on time and like really know the patient, then like you're not going to operate because like in order for you to take that away from me, like you have to show up every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it's definitely, it sounds like it's, it's definitely a field that um, like kind of demands respect, but like rightfully so in, in certain cases. And mm-hmm. um, also just the, the idea of like perfectionism um, is also something I feel like that could not only, you know, that's, that's like a challenge, you know, you have to be perfect. And I wonder, you know, you, you know, you haven't been in, in surgery for so long, you know, some of the attendings, I'm sure, um, you might know if you've, you've talked to them about, but like, is there some sort of like burnout potential then if they're just so like adamant about, you know, being like perfect and like, do you, do you kind of like get up all in your head? Like, Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm always like good at doing this, but all of a sudden something goes wrong one time and then people like crash and burn. Like, is it, is that common or, or do you think like that's, you know, I don't have numbers, but it's absolutely real. Mm -hmm. Burnout, I think comes from the lifestyle though. It's just, especially, you know, like a trauma surgeon, Mm -hmm. you spend years of your life being up all night, you know, working the worst hours. Like seeing patients die a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that really takes a toll on people. And I don't think it's the making mistakes. Because, you know, through all the operations I've been through, I hardly see mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like people, the surgeons, there's a reason they train for five years. And then lots of them do fellowships. And it's so that they don't make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, I, and most mistakes are like self-correcting. Like that's why we have M&M every week. Yep. Is that mm-hmm. so we can like investigate each, you know, mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, kind of see how we can not make that mistake in the future. But yeah, burnout is real, but you'll see it across every specialty. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, were you guys ever deciding between two or more fields of medicine? So I know, I think you were kind of saying internal. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about OB for a second, didn't you? Yeah, OB is amazing. Mm. Everyone should do a gynecologic oncology rotation. It's very cool. But honestly, when I, it's hard to decide, but I did... For OB, I remember watching the OB side of it, and I was kind of impatient. And every time I watched someone in labor, I wondered why they weren't trying hard and why it was taking so long. And that's mm-hmm. how I knew I should not be an OB guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think hopefully everyone will have to decide between multiple specialties that are exciting to them because that's kind of the point of medical school, right? Right. Like hopefully yeah. all of this is interesting to you and you just have one favorite thing. Right, definitely. Was there something that like when you listed your pros and cons of each, okay, like this is probably why I wouldn't do OB or this is probably why I wouldn't do internal. Well, internal medicine just has a day of, you know, super lengthy discussions about your patients and a lot of ordering tests and consulting other people. And I liked the kind of centralized care that you get in surgery where it's, there was more of like, I'm taking care of my patient. I'm the one doing the actionable thing to make mm-hmm. them better and mm-hmm. I make more of the decisions for my patients mm-hmm. and the rounds aren't so long which is <laughs> that's a real thing that's I don't want to round for five hours in the morning like a lot of people don't like rounding for five hours in the morning mm-hmm. and our notes actually that's another stereotype is that our notes are concise concise <laughs> and short <laughs> yep yep yeah. I'm a practical lady I want to write two lines to say what I need to yeah. say yeah. yeah um gotcha Steven you were for you the 
who was the deciding point were you you were ortho and then yeah i was was deciding between ortho and general surgery um i kind of like elson i i I wanted a more broad base of knowledge and Mm -hmm. technical skills Mm -hmm. um i wanted to keep all of my medical knowledge um and kind of have the technical skills to work anywhere in the body Mm -hmm. um like Allison's father is a uh, um, general surgeon, but he does like everything. Like he does vascular, he does cardiothoracic. Cool. Um, he does everything in the belly. Like that's kind of the the training that I'm looking for is to be able to like kind of take any anyone off the street with any problem and be like, oh, this is you know I can fix that. Mm-hmm. Cool. So now we're kind of uh, transitioning into the matching into the field um, section. And to start off, uh, you know, anyone can answer this one, but what did you guys do to make yourself a competitive applicant for matching into general surgery? I think now that I'm in it, I have a much better appreciation for what makes someone competitive. And, you know, there's certain specialties where you have to have done research in that field. You don't necessarily have to for surgery, but they care that you've done some research for the academic versus community programs. It's, it's now that you're in it, it's, I guess when you're, you know, you apply to undergrad and you go to the best undergrad you get into and you apply to medical school and you go to the biggest name medical school you get into. And now that I'm applying for general surgery, it's wild the difference between your training at a hyper academic institution versus a community program. And it, I guess the cool thing about it is that not one thing is best for everybody. Like, you know, what's best for, what the best program for Steven is, totally different than the best program for me. And a lot of that is, you know, if you want to go to a hyper academic university, you have to have a great research background because they, a lot of these programs require two years of research, which I didn't appreciate before. So these are actually seven year programs that you're signing up for. Um, and they care that you're AOA. They care that you have a high step score, you know, all the stuff you would guess. They care that you've honored your third year rotations. And those are things that I didn't appreciate how much that actually plays a role in who's going to get an interview versus some of the community programs that like that could be the best place for you those are you know they don't necessarily care about research as much but they you know those are programs where you go to train really hard to be a general surgeon out of the box and i guess um i don't know it's the stuff for any program you know you want good grades you need a good step score et cetera. Et cetera. but the biggest differentiating factor is for sure how much research you've done hmm. and it doesn't matter if it's in surgery i think so much that you've done research and have something to show for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, but again, that's, it's, that's kind of like, it's, it's just different from community to academic programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like in, in community, pr- in kind of what I've seen is that in community programs, they're looking for somebody who's going to be a good fit at that program. So they don't necessarily care that you've done a lot of research or that um, you have, you know, like a 260 on step or something like that. Like they want someone who's going to work hard, show up every day. Um, I mean, obviously you have to be knowledgeable. You have to have like certain cutoffs, but um, I don't know. It's yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Allison, I think you stepped out before we like started the podcast. I was talking to Steven about it um, and like how you kind of like you get the interview, like the whole idea of, you know, you had a good step step score. You had like all like kind of the good like baseline things to get you into the door. But would you say like kind of when you're meeting the residents or when you're on that interview, that's when the intangibles come in of like, are you like 
a good person? Like, are, do you seem like someone that's, like you said, like going to show up every day? Like, do you think that goes a long way in like an interview or do you think like more so the, if you have like enough research, if you have, you know, enough, like a higher step score, like that'll be enough to get you in. But at, at that point, you they've already screened. I've been told this at yeah. multiple interviews, that when you're there, they've already decided this is someone I would hire, like, quantitatively. Based on numbers alone. Yep. Yeah. And then the whole point of the interview is that they get to know you and say, you're somebody who would fit in here, and you would make the other residents happy, and you're going to step it up and work hard when your resident gets appendicitis and is out for two days. And mm-hmm. that's the whole point of the interview. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves to say it's the speed dating thing where, you know, you have – X amount of time where they get to know you and you get to know them and make sure that it's a good fit. I mean, some programs are 10 people, you know, like mm-hmm. some, some of the smaller community programs are really small and you're going to be there for five years. So they just want to make sure that they can live with you for, for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's more of a fit thing. I think at that point, cause once you get your, your application screen, once you have the interview, it's like, they know what your scores are. They're not going to offer you an interview if they don't think that you're quantitatively like acceptable. Mm-hmm. And you'll feel it too. All these programs have different vibes. I've been to like some programs that have such a like what's up bro vibe and mm-hmm. I don't think I'd fit in there. And then there are other programs where they were like, you know, totally you know, like way more similar to myself and we it was a lot easier to just carry a conversation over an awkward mm-hmm. dinner at those little standy tables for the pre-interview dinners so (laughs) gotcha it's a good way to vet a program definitely um how did you guys structure your fourth year for matching into um general surgery so so (laughs) um there's there's a couple different like directions people take some people like fill their fourth year with all surgical rotations and like want to try everything and you know i kind of took the other path where I'm taking easier rotations so that I can interview <laughs> a lot and kind of enjoy my fourth year before I call myself intern year. So, I mean, I did like my required, um, like sub eyes. Um, I did, like I said, I did surgical oncology and endocrine, which are two more specialized surgical fields. So mm-hmm. I'm doing a community general surgery, um, rotation in January that will kind of get me more of the bread and butter surgical experience sure um so yeah my fourth year i don't know i'm i I think i'm trying to enjoy myself a little more fourth year than kind of like kill myself um Mm -hmm. with like a bunch of surgical electives but some people Mm want to do that so it Mm -hmm. just depends so the biggest things is you need november and december have to be open because those are all of your like I was gone for four days last week. I could not have been on service just for interviews. Um, That being said, Stephen did not do an away rotation. I did do an array rotation and I would highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think kind of the strategy is one, go to a place that's a little bit, a little bit of a reach school. If you think that'll help, it will help you get an interview. Mm -hmm. If you do a good job. The other thing is it just gives you one point comparison. I like, I liked having the opportunity to see one more program. How do they do it? Mm-hmm. What are their attendings like? You know, what is their call schedule? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It just opens your eyes a little bit to the ways programs can be structured. And then it gave me a better like platform to ask questions and think critically about the programs I'm interviewing at now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to meet some other cool people. And mm-hmm. that being said, you don't have to do them at all for general surgery. You'll match without doing it away rotation. But I think if that is something you can fit into your schedule, you should just do it. Mm-hmm. 
that's so that's third year that you apply for these aways, right? Yep. Um, what how how did you go about choosing what like what a way to do, or is it kind of like match where you, you know, you have uh, it's kind of just like up in the air, and you get like yo they they accept you here. So you apply for them. It's a really vague timeline. No one ever knew what was going on in the spring of your third year. It was like February or March or April. You have to start sending in your VSAS is what Mm -hmm. it's called, Mm -hmm. applications. And I chose to go to an academic university in the city because I'm too lazy and cheap to move and pay for rent in two places at once. But it was a great move because then I could stay at my apartment and then I just went down south from where I live instead of west from where I live to work every day. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, I mean, I live in a city with... Chicago has how many surgical programs? Infinity. So mm-hmm. it was easy to pick in a way here. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good way to do it if you want to like explore another program without spending a ridiculous amount of money. Yep. Or like if you have family, like if I, I'm from St. Louis, so, you know, if I would have done it away at like SLU or WashU or something like that. It's just the reason I didn't do it was honestly because it's Cost. a lot of money. Yeah. And the logistics can be hard if you're like going to a city. Like, I mean, if you... If you really want to go to a West Coast school, like in California, um, then you should probably do in a way there just to show that you like you're serious about going to California. Yeah, that's a big thing. Like coming from Loyola, which is a very Midwest school and I think has Midwest recognition. Mm-hmm. We're all getting interviews in the Midwest way more so than the East Coast or the West Coast. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, as my birth certificate says Midwest, my education has all been in the Midwest. And if you want to go out West, I think it's good to prove that you're willing to move. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm also hitting big in the South right now. Cause it technically says I was born from Tennessee. Um, <laughs> as you can hear from Wait, my voice, I did not grow up in Tennessee. I lived there for seven months and then moved North. But <laughs> I was going to say, what does technically mean? <laughs> like it says birthplace and I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, okay. That being go. said, I don't remember any of it. Um, but uh, I, I think that makes a big difference in who extends interviews. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, people just want to know that you're willing to go to their program. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, all the interviews I've been at where it's not in Chicago, they're like, why do you want to come here? Like, I did one at Tennessee. They're like, why do you want to leave Chicago, this, like, metropolis, and come to Knoxville, Tennessee? I mean, you know. Hey, man, that's where I was born. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said. I said Allison was born here. My friend was born here. Yeah. (laughs) That convinced them. My mecca, Knoxville, Tennessee. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they just want to know that you're willing to come to that program. Okay. Gotcha. Um, How did you guys stand out on your rotations? And I don't know if this might be different of how you stood out in your away rotation. So you can kind of answer, like, both, like, here in your institution you had you did this to really stand out or maybe those kind of traits or tips or whatever those translate to like a different program too so I think the biggest things are you have to be you have to like observe what's going on figure out what your residents are doing and start doing it for them without being asked um and I may be easier said than done but it's really important that you can figure out how this team works and just start integrating yourself and doing it because I don't think any every resident especially an intern they're tired and they're overworked and they're running around trying to get everything done and they don't have time to sit down and hold your hand and walk you around so i think if you can just be independent self-directed and start doing things they'll love that yeah you just have to be a hard worker yeah i mean like you're going to be thrown in the deep end at least i was on my surgical rotation third year and you just have to kind of go with the flow and like Allison said find out what like 
what you can do to help the team without being asked to do it. Like specific things. If you're, you know, here you're going to get a, put a central line in, learn what's in a central line placement procedure and go gather those things from the supply room. You know, if you're going to mm-hmm. go do an ABG, go get your ABG supplies and get that ready for them. If there's a consult in the ED, like volunteer to go see it and write an H&P and then your resident can look over your note and sign it and, you know, all those little things that just make their day easier. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the operating room, like surprise, they're going to quiz you on anatomy in the OR. So prepare for your case, yeah. read about important anatomy and make sure you actually understand what's going on, the steps of the operation so that you're not completely lost throughout the whole thing. And you should know your patient really well. Uh, that's like some some attendings pip you on anatomy, some pimp you on medicine, but probably the most I've been pimped on was just like, tell me about the patient. Like, why is this patient having this operation? Um, you know, like, who is this person that we're operating on? So you have to, you have to, you really have to know your patients and then know what operation you're doing. Like mm-hmm. Allison said, you should just Google the operation before the, the night before and like just look through the steps and kind of no pertinent anatomy mm-hmm. and uh, go from there. Honestly, sometimes I would read a like a operative report from previous yeah, patients yeah. and then it's literally a step-by-step what your surgeon does, what your specific attending does. Mm. I mean, that's kind of overkill, I think, but like when in doubt, read from the surgeons, you know, from the horse's mouth, what they do, and you will know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Those, are, those are good tips. Um, also, oh, one last tip, answer confidently. I feel like I'm still bad at this. I'll know the answer, and I'll say, is this the answer? Like, just oh, say I it. Got, I got yelled, well, not yelled at, but I got, I, uh, my, one time I was um, in an operation, and the surgeon was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, is that the spleen? And he's like, don't answer a question with another question. <laughs> so just like, just go for it. Just be like, that's the spleen. And Plus, yeah. if you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, you were going to be wrong anyway. Yeah, so. and, you know, they'll tell you. Okay. So. All right. So confidence. So summing it up, confidence going in, even though you're probably going to be wrong. Oh, uh, always. I think yeah. I bet fifty percent last year, and I'm still here today. Oh, that's good. So that doesn't that doesn't deter you from 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 backing out. Huh? No way. Yeah, yeah. It's no, kind of fun to be wrong. I have so much shame associated with all these wrong answers, and now I'm brilliant. I know all those answers. <laughs> you just can't let it get to you. I mean, you're going to be wrong. You're going to make mistakes. That's why there's, there's mm-hmm. like, graded responsibility, and there's always going to be someone who's watching you mm-hmm. until you're an attending. And even then, you have your partners and, you mm-hmm. know, other attendants that you can go to. But, I mean, as an intern, you have the chief above you who's going to be watching everything you do. As the chief, you're going to have the attending who's watching everything you do. So, I mean... Just be confident. Mm-hmm. On my away rotation, I identified, somebody asked me what the, what a structure was. I picked the stomach. It was the inferior vena cava. And they still <laughs> let me in the OR. <laughs> now I know. Good, good. Uh, very, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> That's the leg, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was in the belly still. So uh, good. Okay, so you're there. Nice, um, awesome. So, and, and that's actually a good point too, because like if you failed anatomy or like you can still be a certain. Well, okay, maybe you probably shouldn't fail anatomy. Ma- maybe you shouldn't fail anatomy, but like if 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 you didn't do as well as you may have wanted to in anatomy you can still be a surgeon because you'll you'll learn it eventually it sounds like you know like i've especially forgotten like, a lot of the, my anatomy sorry to say, i mean it's like the first thing you do fresh uh first year and now i'm in my fourth year and i like 
it's not like I do, you know, a cadaver dissection every week. So yeah, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, you'll, you'll learn it. And it's like when you're preparing for an operation, you're going to go over the anatomy and you're going to learn it and you're going to see it mm-hmm. like during the operation. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you'll pick up on it. You know, you, you guys are on your your interviews. You're, you you submitted your applications for um, for general surgery rotation or um, not rotations uh, for matching in the residency programs. Um, how did you guys go about choosing like which programs to apply to? Um, and you can talk about like geography. You can talk about what goes on, like what kind of training you get. Um, yeah. This is a hard one. I think it's hard to differentiate programs when you're just looking at them on ERAS, the system we all use to apply to residency. And it's so easy to just click buttons down the road. Um, I guess the few things are, one, you have to determine how many you want to apply to because it gets really expensive the more you apply to. And there's data online to say, like, with your step score, you know, you're kind of maxing out your, like, your uh, probability of matching at a certain number of programs, which is around 30, 33 for general surgery for most people's appropriate range of step scores Um, but a lot of it's location you just pick cities that I'd want to live in because that's a big a big part of you know who where is your support system or where is their culture and like or outdoor activity or whatever you are that's going to keep you sane through this process and then you know you I mean it's just like any other thing where you have to like you know the big competitive programs you want to apply a few of those that are out of you know reach schools for you a few a lot that are middle tier Mm -hmm four-year application and then some safety schools I guess mm-hmm. but it's hard to know because now that you're actually now that I'm interviewing I really wish I'd done it differently like as I go further in the process I think okay for myself I don't want to do two years of research so I'm not sure why I applied to programs that require two years um, I know that I want to have some access to nature outdoors so I you know I don't know why I applied to cities that have no access to that at all Honestly, I wish I could go back in time and redo it, but mm-hmm. I think geography was the biggest thing for me. I mean, it's just where you want to live for five years. Mm. I mean, a lot happens in five years. I mean, I don't know. I'll probably get married and start a family. So it's like, where do I want to be when I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and like Allison said, I also like to be close to outdoors, but I also like urban environments. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of wanted to be in like a city close to the outdoors. So like. I I have uh, several interviews in Denver, um, which I think would be really cool. Um, okay, Another yeah. thing to pay attention <laughs> yeah. to as well is it's, you know, think about the city or in some of these cities, you're not going to great, you know, the big types of trauma you get are blunt or penetrating trauma. And mm-hmm. if you're in a real bougie city, you don't get gunshot wounds. You don't get stab wounds. You only seem like MVCs, which all go to ortho. So think about what type of trauma do I want to learn from? Mm-hmm. The other big things are how many fellows do these programs have? Because when you're on a service with a fellow, they get all the cool cases. They're the primary surgeon in those cases. They're running your service from above, and mm-hmm. you don't get the same experience that you would get, say, and, you know, there's plenty of programs that have zero fellows, and you're top dog chief when you're on those services. Mm-hmm. So I think those are two big things to look out for, depending on what you want and what your goals and dreams are after surgery is mm-hmm. um, types of trauma you're going to see. Like, you know, I was just in St. Louis interviewing. You get a lot of penetrating trauma down there. Mm. And it's like a huge part of your education is seeing really sick patients in the emergency room mm. um, versus, yeah, some of the other cities applied to. I might cancel my interviews because I don't think they've ever seen a gunshot wound there. So, mm. Gotcha. Yeah. Is there, um, and that's like 
did you guys have like the other fourth years kind of tell you these are the places to go or did you like personally research this like online or um like somewhere else uh, or like is like down like the grapevine of you know people you've heard oh this is like a good place or um is there some place that like students can go to like really like look at a program because i'm sure like all the programs have like really good you know pages on like web pages and and stuff but is there like a better way to go about that Every internet site says the exact same thing. Like, I don't think you can get any useful information other than are these community or more rural or more academic programs from the internet. There's that free to online resource, but that doesn't tell you a lot. Doximity, have you ever looked at that? Oh, I've never looked into it. I mean, that just tells you, like, kind of basic information and has some reviews from, um, like, previous residents there. So just a little resource. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's a book somewhere, but that's yeah. got to be outdated. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't think either of us used good resources. A lot of it is, yeah, I've heard there are certain programs that are malignant, and I didn't apply to them because you have so many options to apply to, and I wanted to limit the number of applications. So it was one right. reason just not to apply to that program. And it was also really expensive to apply. So like, you have to be selective in like your reach schools. So it's like I applied to a good balance of academic and community programs, a good balance of like reach schools and safety schools or programs. Um, but it's like so expensive to apply. So, um, you know, don't – it's like I didn't even apply to Northwestern because I'm not going to get an interview there. <laughs> you know, so it's like – It's know. good to be self-aware. yeah. Uh-huh. How how like just to put it into context for people, how many, what's the average I guess for a general surgery like in terms of like programs that they apply to, or is it just like surely dependent on okay like I want to go in this location, so I'm only going to apply to like ten schools like only in Colorado or something or don't do that. Okay. You won't yeah. match if you do that. I mean, there's so many extraneous factors. Like if you're doing a couples match, like I have a friend who's doing couples match and he applied to like over a hundred programs, just because you know. And he spent a lot of money doing it just because, I don't know, you have to, I guess. I, I think he just, his his um, girlfriend's going into ENT. So he essentially, he just applied to every program that was like in the city of a program that she applied to. Um, I applied to 40 schools. I, I think that's a pretty reasonable I number. I applied to 50. I think that's, yeah. I, I mean, again, like there's this data that the AAM, AAMC came out with that was like, once you get over 35, you have diminishing returns in terms of, like, your probability of matching. Hmm. Um, but I think most people apply to more than that just because, like, I mean, you're always just so nervous about not matching. <laughs> you know, there's right. always that, right. like, right. just this feeling in your gut. It's like, oh, God, I have to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get somewhere. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. how I like feel like I'm gonna vomit every day. <laughs> it's like underlying yeah, fear that, one, that I that could be homeless next year. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so, kind of transitioning to our our final section, our advice section. This is this is like general advice for people going through, um, you know, each year medical school, pre med, you know, all of that. So, kind of to start off, um, what advice would you give to pre med students or even gap year students looking to apply to medical school or um, are interested in surgery too? Well, both Stephen and I had to apply more than once to med school because we did not get in the first time. And I know my failures were I did not do enough volunteer work. um, And I had 
mediocre grades, which that's really hard to control later, but you really need to round out your application. I do application reviews for med school and apparently everyone is perfect. Um, what that being said, I don't want to deter anyone from applying to medical school, but you really should, um, round out your application as best you can get as much real experience in the hospital or in healthcare that you can to make sure that it's a hard path and you have to make sure that this is something that you really love and you're willing to work for. Mm-hmm. And at pre-med, definitely don't worry about what specialty you want to go into. Yeah, keep your eyes no, open because that can change. You should absolutely have an open mind at that point. I mean, yeah, just be self-aware. If 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 there's, um, you know, detriments or if there's parts of your application that aren't, you know, perfect, then bulk up the parts that you can control, like do more volunteer work or, um, you know, I don't know, do some more research or something, like mm-hmm. shadow some more doctors. Mm-hmm. We both did post-bac programs at Loyola. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So don't give up. Good. How about for first-year medical students that just came in, what would you tell them or what would you tell your, have told yourself first year? I think first and second year is kind of a good time to, during your third year, you're very busy and you don't have time to explore the f- non-core uh, specialties. So I kind of wish that I had taken more time out of first and second year to just what does urology look like? What does ENT look like? What does ortho look like? Cause you don't have any exposure to those yeah. at all. Like rheumatology, maybe I would have loved rheumatology, but actually I would never love rheumatology. But, um, <laughs> that being said, like, I don't even know what that day looks like or who those patients look like. Cause you don't have any exposure to it. Okay. So I think first and second year is your time to see those while you can, mm-hmm. cause you're going to, I would avoid like, don't, don't, don't go shadow like internal medicine. You'll get two months on it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I think first year, if if you have time to shadow as much as you can, I mean, just do that. See what different options are out there. But I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't kill yourself. <laughs> I mean. That's true. It'll all work out. The yeah. only exceptions, honestly, are like if you think you're interested in ortho, you need to Start doing ortho research. Ortho research yeah. right away. If you think you're done or you want to do derm, honestly, you should probably think about it first and second year and just run with it because it's so competitive that you can always back off and do something else. But mm-hmm. it's yeah. hard to jump on that train as a third year or fourth year and have a competitive application because, again, it, apparently everyone's perfect now and yeah. they I all mean, know what they're doing from day it's one. It's unfortunate that like it's like that because I didn't know what I wanted to do until – I mean, I kind of knew what I wanted to do all the, all along, but I wasn't set on general surgery until my third year, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, if I wanted to do ortho, I had a little bit of ortho research, but it's like, I wasn't really kind of involved in the, per, in the, um, uh, the department as much as like other people were. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you want to do ortho, like go and get yourself involved in the department so they know you mm-hmm. like do research with them mm-hmm. um go shadow get in the or mm-hmm. make sure that the department knows you so that they can um you know kind of be there for you and act on your behalf gotcha and um what advice would you give to a second year student if it if it kind of differs at all and usually something that always comes up is like like step stuff but um I mean, just study as much as you can for step to try to do your best. I mean, it's not something to kind of blow off. <laughs> I mean, I guess that goes without saying, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's what a lot of programs use as 
um, a differentiating factor when they're looking at applications. So do as well as you can. Mm-hmm. Well, I have no real advice. <laughs> <laughs> Live your best life, study hard, yeah. enjoy your second year. Mm-hmm. Did you guys, and kind of like transitioning, like if you can recall from like step one, what did you guys use like, as resources or did you guys have like a plan like day to day, like M2 year? Um, My best advice for everyone studying is I think most programs are also similar that if you just study hard for your second year classes, second year, you'll be fine when it comes to step studying. I didn't study, I didn't open that step up, whatever that first aid book is ever during second year. And I'm happy with my step one score. Um, and my best advice for step one studying is keep yourself happy because no one learns when you're depressed. No one does well if you're sitting alone. I don't know. Everybody has to know themselves, but like Steven and I studied together every day and like we would take breaks and laugh somehow and go to the gym and keep ourselves happy and healthy throughout that process. Mm -hmm. And I think it was hugely beneficial to how well I learned and retained information and could take that exam at the end. I think the biggest advice I have is don't drown yourself in resources. There are so many resources out there for people studying for step step one and, and step two. I mean, you can't use all of them. So it's like find something that you can study well from and then stick with it. And don't try to like, you know, over overindulge in resources. Like I study best by doing questions. So for me, if I could go back and do it again, I would have probably just done UWorld and maybe supplemented with like some Pathoma or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, if you're using Pathoma and Sketchy and UWorld and First Aid and you know X, Y, and Z, it's like you're gonna, you're not gonna, I don't know. You're going to drop yourself, yourself thin. Almost, yeah. 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 I totally echo that. I read all of first aid during step one. That book got me zero points on that exam. Like I don't learn from that way. And if you did, and if it's a resource you'd used all year, okay, fine. That's great. But, um, I w- yeah, I wish I'd just done new world over and over and looked at one or, you know, pathoma and sketchy. I was a big sketchy person mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm also obviously being endorsed by sketchy and getting money for this. So <laughs> everyone should be sketchy. Um, so, uh, how about third year students? Um, I would say just try and explore. I mean, you, you have, um, like set rotations that you're going to have to do regardless. So really try and throw yourself into those and explore and see what else is out there. Cause I feel like by third year, a lot of people know what they want to do. Before, before, or like before third year, like right, like um, they take steps and then like kind of during third year, I would say mm-hmm. people kind of develop it. I mean, you have to know what you're going to do by fourth year because you, obviously you're applying. Mm-hmm. So like third year is the time to be like, oh, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So explore your options, see what else is out there, and kind of start to set yourself up for fourth year and applying. I also would say just. Learn how to advocate for yourself. Third year is the best and the worst year because you're finally in the hospital. You're finally seeing patients, but you're also like kind of like no one needs you to come to work every day and no one needs you there. And it's, I don't know, it can kind of be depressing because you just follow around your residents like a little sheep, whatnot, and you don't have real responsibilities. So I think just learning to advocate for yourself and find where you can actually be helpful and I don't know. I guess ingratiate yourself to mentors. Mentors are a huge help. I've never been someone to ask for help, but I found 
you know, an attending or two that I really connected with and was enormously helpful in helping me through this application process now. Mm-hmm. And just like having the confidence to say like, I'm going to be a great applicant and here's why and can you help me? I don't know. I thought that was very beneficial to me third year. And then as I became a fourth year and needed more direct, you know, advice, conversation, mm-hmm. et cetera, about this application process. Mm-hmm. Cool. How about, um, I guess like now, like, would you, would you tell yourself like something like at the start of fourth year, like, Hey, Allison, or Hey, Steven, like, this is what I, I should be doing or any, any advice for yourself, like kind of looking back or any advice to your classmates that you realize that they're like, Oh boy, like you should not be doing this or you should, or I wish I did that or I stru- wish I structured it this way or those kind of things. I know it's kind of hard cause you're right in the thick of it right now and you won't really know until, <laughs> until the whole thing's over. But, um, I still think if you can do in a way, just do in a way. I think it's a, it is another month of hard work, heaven forbid, but all of your, you know what? All of our friends have been working hard the last few months. We had a, my trivia group won trivia a couple weeks ago and the prize was $200 or an hour of free beer. And we had three friends to come cash that in because <laughs> everybody was out of, that's pathetic. We, everyone was out of state or doing something with whoever. Uh-huh. And people are really busy your first part of fourth year. So I think like you're not missing out. Just go, go somewhere, experience something new, learn a new program, meet some new faculty. Um, other than that, pick elective rotations that you might actually learn something from. Yeah. I'm doing pathology right now and it's a good ro- rotation to do when you have a lot of interviews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing is bulk up your make, like push hard for yourself that you have November and December off in or really light rotations. Cause you are not going to be at your home institution. Mm-hmm. And I think I would echo what Allison said about finding good mentors. I mean, find people that can advocate for you. Like, I don't know, knowing people that know people is like, can be huge. Like you can get an interview just by like knowing someone in the department or knowing someone who knows someone in the department. That's so true. I'm horrible at networking and always afraid to, you know, like ask and put myself out there. But if you, that's how medicine works and it'll be more important with fellowship. Just learn how to, you know, ask for help and have someone to make a phone call for you. If you want an interview somewhere, ask your attending to make a phone call for you because if they know anyone that will give you an interview i feel like that is 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 that like overstepping or is that like scary be like hey mr or mrs attending like i'm really looking first of all i'd call them doctor but (laughs) (laughs) strike one you do whatever you need (laughs) okay um doctor attending person uh you know like i'm interested in going to x state do you know anybody in the state? Is that like a fair question to ask? Maybe after you've like rotated with them. Or just you know? look and see where your faculty have. Like I'm interviewing at Iowa and one of the new faculty members was a, an associate professor there for two years. So I'm meeting with her on Monday mm-hmm. and the pretense was, can you tell me about this program? Which, I mean, that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. But also if I love it and I can have her put in a good word for me there, I, that's not at all ridiculous to ask. Okay. It is. It's hard to advocate for yourself and be like, this is what I want and this is how you can help me. But in general, people are at teaching institutions Mm -hmm. because they like to teach, hopefully, Mm -hmm. um, or at least that's part of their motivation. And they're excited for us and they're excited to, you know, raise us as their own little kids at the hospital. So especially at your home institution, they want their students to match well. Yeah. So they'll they'll do what they can to help us out. Gotcha. 
So yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Attending will help you out. <laughs> so I that's just, the second yeah. year. <laughs> um, what do you guys think the the best algorithm algorithm is in choosing a medical specialty in general? Like, what is the best route? You go into medical school. What should you do? Trust your gut. That's so lame, but it's so true. I think everybody knows there's somewhere deep down that you know what you're interested in. I think you should pay attention to the patient population that you would be treating because, you know, some specialties, they're all going to be old, elder, you know, old people, elderly people. Um, some specialties like obviously peds are going to be young kids and it's just seeing who you vibe with and who makes you happy when you're working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think honestly determine if you like inpatient or outpatient because that's, completely drives the feel of the day and those are pretty wildly different feelings for me at least mm-hmm. um i don't know what do you think steven tell if see if you like the or not i think that's a, another good first step um and if you're in their or do you want to be seated on your phone with anesthesia which is a sweet gig or do you want to be the yeah, one yeah. operating standing up i think you just explore as much as you can um have an open mind go in like even if you know you're completely set in ortho just like still explore you know ob guy and who knows maybe you'll love it mm-hmm. cool but everyone finds their way everybody yeah. finds their way you will too alec you'll find <laughs> your way i still don't know what i want to do yet for the record so um, oh, you're screwed. I <laughs> <laughs> guess I can't do Durham or no. now. <laughs> um, great. What, what's the best way that people can reach you if they have any further questions, um, if you're willing to give out that contact information? Sure. Um, you can email me. I guess that's Were you going to give them your email? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Stephen Marincel, S-T-E-V-E-N-M-A-R-I-N-C-E-L at gmail.com. Cool. And email's good for me too. My name or my email is Allison. No, that's not my email. <laughs> <laughs> my email is A Z as in zebra, A R N K E at gmail.com. And I say Z in the zebra because I just got a letter from a department of surgery addressed to Allison Barnkey. So that's my new life. It's not my name, it is Allison Zarnke, but okay. Oh, um, great. Thank you so much, guys. Um, so again, this was our fourth year episode uh, for general surgery, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without the support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com, where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relationship is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.